Tonight on Throwback Thursday, as Tune FM celebrates 50 years, 1996. It's me, Mario! We're looking at the outbreak of mad cow disease in Great Britain, the cloning of Dolly the Sheep, and the release of the Nintendo 64. This woman is a victim of a new and deadly illness. It's the human legacy of mad cow disease. All that and some great music from 96 tonight on Tune FM's Throwback Thursday, helping Tune celebrate 50 years. You are listening to 106.9 Tune FM and it's time for another episode of Throwback Thursday. We're up to the year 1996. We're going to be talking about some rather interesting scientific and technological events that took place in the year 96. We're going to be talking about the outbreak of mad cow disease. I'm sure you've heard of it, but... Uh, we will be uh, discussing exactly what it is. We'll be talking about the cloning of Dolly the Sheep, which was a very big breakthrough in science in 1996. And we'll be talking about the release of the Nintendo 64 and why that's significance for the video game industry uh, coming up in this episode. But first, we are going to talk about mad cow disease or bovine spongiform encephalopathy. Sorry, big words. I'm, I'm, I'm a radio person, not a scientist. But uh, mad cow disease is a neurodegenerative disease in cattle and symptoms include abnormal behavior, having trouble walking and weight loss. Later in the course of the disease, the cow becomes unable to function normally. The time between infection and onset of symptoms is generally four to five years. So it is a very uh, gradual uh, onset disease. But during 1996, there was an outbreak of mad cow disease in the UK. It's thought to be due to an infection by a misfolded protein known as a prion. And cattle are believed to have been infected by having been fed meat and bone meal that contained either the remains of cattle who spontaneously developed the disease or scrapey infected sheep products. The outbreak increased throughout the United Kingdom due to the, due to the practice of feeding meat and bone meal to young calves of dairy cows. Cases are suspected based on symptoms and confirmed by examination of the brain. There were efforts to prevent the disease in the UK, including not allowing any animal older than 30 months to enter either the human food or animal feed supply. In continental Europe, cattle over 30 months now must be tested if they're intended for human food. In North America, any tissue of concern known as specified risk material may not be added to any animal feed or pet food. About 4 million cows were ultimately killed during the eradication program of mad cow disease in the UK. It still is a little bit around today. There were four cases reported globally in 2017 but it is considered to be nearly eradicated. In the United Kingdom between 1986 and 2015, more than 184,000 cattle were diagnosed with the peak of new cases occurring in 1993. A few thousand additional cases have been reported in other regions of the world. It is believed that several million cattle with the condition likely entered the food supply during the outbreak. So it's, it's a very concerning uh, disease. And 1996 was the peak of this outbreak. Uh, there was a, it affected cows right throughout the 1980s and 1990s, but 1996 is when uh, it came to a head and eventually uh, was unfortunately spread to humans. 177 people died after contracting what is called variant Creutzfeldt-Jakob disease uh, through eating infected beef. 
and a political and public health crisis would ensue and British beef was banned from export to numerous countries around the world, with some bans still remaining in place until as late as 2019, just last year. Um, it was a very, very big event. In the 1980s were the first instances in which animals fell ill with the disease. The first recorded instance was 1986, and lab tests the following year indicated the presence of BSE. By November of 1987, the British Ministry of Agriculture accepted that it had a new disease on its hands. And in 1989, high-risk foodstuffs like offal were banned for human consumption and widespread fear about beef led many British consumers to completely stop purchasing it. But 1996 is what we're talking about. And on the 20th of March, 1996, Stephen Durrell, the Secretary of State for Health in Britain, announced that the variant CJD was caused by eating BSE-infected meat. 177 people would go on to contract and die of the disease. During the height of the crisis, as well as after cases began to decline, the UK government came under a lot of criticism for its response, and in particular how slow it was to acknowledge that there was a problem and to inform the public and take steps to deal with the outbreak. On the 22nd of December 1997, an inquiry was announced in Parliament to investigate the history of the outbreak and the actions that were taken in response. The inquiry report was very critical of the government, in particular the Ministry of Agriculture, Fisheries and Food, and Sir Donald Aikson, who was the chief medical officer. Uh, looking towards the future, though, and what that uh, actually means for us, the original outbreak of VCJD in people only affected individuals with a very particular genetic makeup, those who only make an M form of a particular protein. Studies of similar diseases in other parts of the world have shown that individuals with the M form tend to become ill quickly in a first wave, while individuals with the other V form can be infected but asymptomatic for years or even decades. And this has led some researchers, including Graham Jackson of the University College London, to warn that there could be a second wave of VCJD infections even years later. So uh, that's a very concerning uh, thought. But in late 2014, the first court case was reported with an individual with the V form of the protein. So hopefully the fact that that is now six years ago may be indicative that the uh, second wave, uh, as it may be, uh, might not be as big as was possibly thought. But that was a major event that took place in 1996, the outbreak into humans of mad cow disease in Britain. When we come back, we're going to be talking about a little bit of a more promising scientific breakthrough when we talk about the cloning of Dolly the sheep and the significance of that scientific breakthrough. That's coming up after this song from 1996, which is 1234 by Coolio. This is some of the lingua franca of the funk business. And people come from miles around with an almost religious devotion to get on down. Like ABC of hip hop didn't pay, I rap for free. Slide, slide, but that's the path. 
I got something brand new for that ass. Cause I don't wanna have to get him So move your body baby Try to hold me crazy The way you shake that ass It always amazing Ain't no party like a West Coast party Cause the West Coast party don't stop So when you see a young nigga In a Chevy it switches Then you gotta get a nigga his pride I got size in my eyes And the motion for your ocean Cooley yo got the motion To get the party up and slide Slide but that's the past I got something brand new for that ass One, two, three, four by Coolio, a great song from 1996, and you're listening to Throwback Thursday, 1996's June FM celebrates 50 years. We're going to talk about a sheep in this segment, a very specific sheep by the name of Dolly, who was born on the 5th of July, 1996. She was a female domestic sheep and the first mammal to ever be cloned from an adult somatic cell using the process of nuclear transfer. She was born at the Roslyn Institute in Scotland, and uh, would eventually pass away from a progressive lung disease five months before her seventh birthday. She lived to be nearly seven years old, and the disease was not considered to be related to her being a clone. She has been called the world's most famous sheep by many sources, including BBC News. And the cell that was used as the donor for the cloning of Dolly was taken from a mammary gland. And the production of a healthy clone therefore proved that a cell taken from a specific part of the body could recreate a whole individual. Dolly's name is a little bit of a joke as well. Uh, one of the uh, cloning scientists, Ian Wilmot, said Dolly is derived from a mammary gland cell and we couldn't think of a more impressive pair of glands than Dolly Parton's. So there you go. That's where the name comes from in case you've ever wondered that. 
gotta love it. Uh, she lived her entire life at the Roslyn Institute. Uh, she was then bred with a M Welsh mountain ram and produced six lambs in total. So she was capable of having children. Her first lamb named Bonnie was born in April 1998. The next year, she produced twins, Sally and Rosie, and triplets in 2000, Lucy, Darcy, and Cotton. Uh, she developed arthritis in 2001 and was treated with anti-inflammatory drugs, but she eventually uh, had to be put down because she had progressive lung disease and severe arthritis. She had a life expectancy of around 11 to 12 years, but she lived for six and a half years. A post-mortem examination showed that she had a form of lung cancer, uh, called ovine pulmonary ad adenocarcinoma, which is a fairly common disease of sheep and is caused by the retrovirus JSRV. And so it was determined that there was not a connection between her development of that disease and with her being a clone, and that other sheep in the same flock had died of the same disease. Such lung diseases are a particular danger for sheep kept indoors, and Dolly did have to sleep inside for security reasons. Some in the press speculated that a contributing factor to her death was that she could have been born with a genetic age of six years, the same age as the sheep from which she was cloned. One basis was the finding that Dolly's telomeres were short, which is typically a result of the aging process. But the Roslyn Institute stated that an intensive health screening did not reveal any abnormalities in Dolly that could have come from advanced aging. That's, that, that's an incredible development in science and having a look at the legacy now after cloning was successfully demonstrated uh, through the production of Dolly, there were many other large mammals that would be cloned in the coming years, including pigs, deer, horses, and bulls. The attempt to clone mountain sheep was also made, but it did not produce viable embryos. And there were many other attempts in the preceding years that still continue to this day uh, to clone animals and see how um, we may be able to use that technology and uh, as we continue to work on genetic technology that can help to cure diseases as well. In July 2016, four identical clones of Dolly, named Daisy, Debbie, Diana and Denise, were all alive and healthy at nine years old. Uh, and there's plenty of other developments in recent years as well. The first successful cloning of primate species it was using the same method for producing Dolly was reported in January 2018. Two identical clones of a macaque monkey named Zhong Zhong and Hua Hua were created by researchers in China and were apparently born in late 2017. And in January 2019, science, scientists in China also reported the creation of five identical clone gene edited monkeys using the same cloning technique again. So Dolly the sheep, the very first uh, successful clone in history with this uh, incredible process that uh, managed to um, just completely change genetic technology forever. When we come back from this next song from 1996, we're going to be talking about a technological development that you probably might know a little bit more about, especially if you were a kid at the time, the Nintendo 64. That's coming up after this song, which is Ironic by Alanis Morissette. Isn't it ironic? 
when you're already late. I know smoking sign on your cigarette break. It's like ten thousand spoons when all you need is a knife. It's meeting the man of my dreams and then meeting his beautiful wife. <laughs> and isn't it ironic? Don't you think? A little too. Ironic by Alanis Morissette, another great song from 1996. You're listening to Throwback Thursday 96. Well, have you ever really marveled at exactly how good video game, video game graphics are today? Things can look pretty much almost real on your gaming console nowadays. And that's all thanks partly to the gaming console that we're going to talk about now that came out in 1996. It revolutionized uh, gaming graphics. It revolutionized the way that we control it and it resulted in um, some of the most successful video games of all time. The Nintendo 64, developed and marketed of course by Nintendo and named for its 64-bit central processing unit. It was released in June 1996 in Japan, September 1996 in North America, and in March 1997 in Europe and here in Australia. It was the last major home console to use the ROM cartridge as its primary storage format until the Switch went back to it, the Nintendo Switch, in 2017. Uh, it was discontinued in 2002 following the launch of the GameCube. Now, it wasn't the first console to have 3D graphics, but it certainly popularized them particularly with games such as Super Mario 64, uh, Mario Kart 64, and others such as, uh, of course, you might remember playing GoldenEye on your Nintendo 64, Banjo-Kazooie, and other such great titles. It was a massive, massive uh, shift forward, particularly for Nintendo, one of the most popular gaming consoles of all time, but it moved us into the 3D era of video gaming. It competed primarily at the time with the Sony PlayStation, the PS1, and the Sega Saturn. It was going for around 200 US dollars in 1996. And as of 2009, 32.93 million units were sold worldwide, making it, uh, according to IGN, the ninth greatest video game console of all time. But in terms of how revolutionary it was, well, you might say that it was up there with the best. Around the 1980s, Nintendo were leading the video game industry. They had the NES and then the SNES, which were very, very successful, but sales were taking a hit because Japan, where Nintendo is based, was going through a recession and competition from their longtime rival Sega and a relative newcomer to the video game industry in Sony 
Nintendo needed to develop a successor for the SNES or risk losing their market dominance to their competitors. And so in the end of the 1980s, they started developing uh, what they called at the time, it had a project name, Project Reality. They wanted it to be as close to reality as possible. And, and so came their fifth generation home video game console, the N64. I've actually got one. It's a it's an incredible console. Uh, it's considered one of the first consoles to have four uh, controller ports, so you could play with four players at once, which doesn't sound like a whole lot now that we can play with dozens and dozens of players online. But you know, being able to plug in your controller with four different players, that was pretty incredible for the time. And some of the some of the best video games of all time, some of what are considered to be the best video games of all time, like we mentioned, Super Mario sixty four. Others such as that uh, were, of course, released for the N64. The most graphically demanded, demanding N64 games were on 32 or 64 megabyte cartridges. Now, we're talking about how revolutionary this is. 32 or 64 megabytes. There are a thousand megabytes in a gigabyte. So you have many thousands of times the capacity of these games within your phone in your pocket. But this at the time was absolutely revolutionary, absolutely incredible. And uh, I've got to say, having played Nintendo 64 and uh, having seen a lot of the games, of course, it's it's truly a, a, a remarkable console. Games such as Conker's Bad Fur Day is another one that changed the medium forever. So uh, a very, very remarkable year for video gaming in 1996. Well, we're going to leave it there for now. I'm going to throw you right back to the music. Don't forget to join us next week as we move on to the year 1997 here on Throwback Thursday. We're getting closer and closer to the modern day, aren't we? Uh, 